This is Pixel Splitters, your absolute favorite conversation movie news podcast with your hosts, Josh. Then you know what's in poor taste is you getting paid more than all of those people combined. And Willis. You just don't want to spend the money for this because you don't value it. Join us each week as we break down the latest movie news, TV news, and general industry news and debate about what it all really means. So here we go, dear listeners. We got some stuff to talk about today. There's a lot of news going on in the film industry right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure those of you who are not movie people, it's reached you in some capacity. Um, But we're going to talk about this stuff. But... Yes. We're going to start off by talking um, about something that Steven Spielberg said a decade ago. Uh, yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, after that, we're going to talk about the SAG after strike, what that means, what they want, what uh, the studios don't want to give them um, yeah. and kind of what it means, because this is huge. The fact that these two major unions are striking at the same time is problematic um and i think it hasn't happened in like 63 years since they've both been on strike yeah i'm 90 percent sure on that number but uh, (laughs) after we talk about that we're gonna like do a shift that we uh kind of feel uncomfortable with and we're gonna talk about the emmys because the emmy nominations came out this past week right um and there's always drama around that there's some questionable nominations there's some questions in terms of like where other stuff is um yeah. and there's some big questions about when they're gonna happen because hey sag after strike um, yeah. <laughs> but before we do all of that uh we're gonna check in with josh over here for our weekly releases because it's uh quite the week here josh huh it is the big this might be the biggest weekend in uh, hollywood's year uh yeah. fiscal year because both barbie and oppenheimer are releasing on the 21st which i mean it's here it's, it's we are here. finally here and i don't even have words i mean this is like we've been waiting for this for like over a year um it's it's crazy to me the cultural impact that has come just from these two movies like yeah. being released on the same day I know it is insane, and I think I read somewhere that forty thousand AMC users uh, have booked back-to-back Both. showings mm-hmm. uh, in the same day. Which is, I'm a little nervous about how studios are going to take this and be like, "Oh, let's just like double book yeah. movies for the rest of time." It's like this. This yeah. worked because it's Barbie and Oppenheimer, Transformers like, and <laughs> Napoleon next year. Yeah, exactly. So those are the big ones coming to theaters uh, for streaming. For shows, we have Justified, City Primeval coming to FX and Hulu on the 18th, which I guess is like a re-upped Justified. I know that I like... Didn't know that was still... Yeah. Oliphant is in it, so I'm like, oh. cool. You know? I don't... Whatever. I'm, I'd never watched Justified, so we'll see what it is. We then have I Want to Rock, the 80s metal dream coming to Paramount Plus on the 18th. We have Surf Girls Hawaii coming to Prime on the 18th. We have Love Island USA Season 5 coming to Peacock on the 18th. Uh, Minx Season 2 coming to Stars on the 21st, which Minx, if you've been following along, has been going through it, uh, being yeah. re-upped and then canceled after it's been shot already and then moving to yep. a different service and all of this stuff. So I'm interested to see what happens with that. Uh, and then Special Ops Lioness coming to Paramount Plus on the 23rd. And that's really it. It's Barbie and Oppenheimer's week, guys. So yep. that's what you should be going to see Probably a month. Let's be real. Pro- yeah, probably more than a month. Let's be <laughs> even realer. Um, so yeah, without further ado, let's talk about some movie industry news. Yes. Let's talk about some movie industry news from a decade ago. <laughs> from 10 years ago. Um. So this is a weird kind of situation. This is a thing that came up. uh, I believe it was just kind of like algorithmically fed to you, Josh. Is that correct? It was a tweet. People were bringing it back up because they were like, oh, grandfather Spielberg. There you go. Predicted the future. (laughs) So in 2013, uh, Steven Spielberg predicted the implosion of the film industry. A decade later, he's kind of... (laughs) Right on the money. Um, And it's kind of weird. I mean, he had predicted how, you know, there would be massive like IP films that, you know, cost $250 million um, and then flop and then like whatever. Right. Um, 
but you wouldn't really be able to get movies. He talks a lot about Lincoln in this article, in this interview, um, mm-hmm. because he was promoing Lincoln. Um, mm-hmm. But saying how things like Lincoln, you know, wouldn't uh, be able to make it to the theaters and they just get relevant, relegated to TV. Um, and that's, you know, exactly what's fucking happening in the world. Um, Literally. You know, the big <laughs> stuff is just getting uh, huge releases. You know, we're getting the flash and then it makes mm-hmm. no money. Zero dollars. Right. Um, maybe that's a simplistic view of it, but, you know, make zero dollars and then uh, whatever. On to the next thing. Let's read exactly. the, the DCU. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Coming soon. Um, so I don't know. It's interesting. It's something to bring up and take a look at. Like, I don't know. He, he talks a lot about TV versus um, versus movies. Yeah, it's interesting because him saying this in 2013 means that the writing was on the wall in 2013 and probably mm-hmm. before. I'm sure him and a bunch of like the, the, the major filmmakers were talking about this since, you know, the introduction of superhero movies or like, you know, Transformers, those big budget like sure. CGI fest movies that have little substance to them and saying, oh, my God, like this, if we continue on this track, it's going to be detrimental to the industry and i think he just saw it because he they know the studios follow the money the movie industry follows the money and if the avengers this is 2013 avengers just came out so he was like uh he's like ah okay here we go here's things that are breaking the you know most uh box office records you know and yeah yeah um and if anybody knows the industry it's going to be steven spielberg um and if anyone can speak with authenticity about blockbusters versus like more indie dramas etc it's weird to refer to lincoln as an indie drama but but um you know but like it's true i mean lincoln would 100 percent have been made for hbo at this point yeah miniseries or or something yeah um it's weird because as i was saying that my brain was like it like like napoleon and i'm like oh but like napoleon is going to be this huge blockbuster kind of thing but right napoleon is also going to well, I was going to say is also going to be a war movie, which I suppose Lincoln was also a war movie, but like it's different. It's not the same thing. Yeah. Lincoln was yeah. not riding into battle on the back of a horse or shooting cannons. The British, um, <laughs> exactly. The I guess. Sure. Confederates. <laughs> the Southerners. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very interesting because I'm also wondering now because the Flash did flop like it just did. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Um, and you know, there's other films like Transformers that didn't do too well but didn't quite flop. I'm wondering, like, does this actually mean much? Because we still have a whole slate of DC movies coming. We still have you know Marvel and and you know Star Wars. They're slated out. They're moving stuff, but it's still happening. Yeah. Like I wonder I mean- if it's gonna change that much. It's weird because the MCU was so was riding so high for so long, but I don't think we're in a place where like a movie necessarily being bad is mm-hmm. going to derail something. Yeah. If for no other reason, then we're too far down the line. You know what I True. mean? Like it's not going to, um, you know, derail the next Avengers movie if Quantum Media is bad, you know? Right. Right. Um, and <laughs> there was so the Jonathan Majors stuff has been has been coming up again. Yeah. Um, and there were a bunch of tweets I saw the other day or not tweets. They were threads uh, mm. that I saw the other day that were like, uh, oh, yeah, Disney's going to cancel the Avengers if Jonathan Majors uh, is convicted. And I'm like, ain't nothing canceling the Avengers. Yeah. What? Like, like it will be a very <laughs> different movie for sure. But they're not supposed to be like, oh, well, ah. this one guy was arrested uh, and convicted. So, like, let's just bail. Let's throw everything out. Um, no way. Too much money involved. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, studios are um, don't believe themselves to be so beholden to actors, as it were. Um, and I swear I didn't bring up Jonathan Majors just to make that jump. But <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, that was organic, and now I'm talking about it being organic. But, there yeah. There you go. Uh, SAG-AFTRA. Yeah. Is on strike full on full on. Um, we've been kind of following this for a little while. You know, I think we we talked about when 
they cleared permission to strike. We talked about, yep. uh, I believe they like extended their deadline at one mm-hmm. point, but all the chips are out. And um, yeah, we're at a, a historic moment in the film industry, both SAG-AFTRA, the largest union yes. in the biz, uh, and the WGA are concurrently on strike. The WGA has been going since May, um, yep. and I think we are in day four. Of the, of the yeah, as of this recording of the SAG after strike, yes. And just to put it in perspective, this is the first Screen Actors Guild strike since 1980, and the first time that yes. SAG and the WGA have walked out simultaneously since 1960. That's a long fucking. It's not that long, but it's a long time that's, in terms of our time. lifetimes. Well, and um, if you talk about the lifetime of the movie industry that started, yeah. let's say in like 19. 19- late 1920s 1930s yeah like for real yeah you know like we're just probably that's a weird parallel to think about of like where was the film industry 100 years ago oh Um, yeah but uh you know we're just kind of coming up on the 100 year mark for a lot of these things um and like if we're talking 60 years ago on 100 that's you know 60 percent hashtag math podcast exactly Uh, but um yeah so we thought we'd take some time to sort of walk through what's going on, walk through what the sticking points are, mm-hmm. and then like, I don't know, kind of talk about what it means for the industry. For sure. Um, yeah. Because this is this is insane. Like, for all practical purposes, with both the writers and the actors on strike, there is no production going. There's no pre-production. There's, there's no, production. no pre. You can't be prepping for something. I think uh, Christopher Nolan has come out and said that like he's not going to start working on his next project while everyone's on strike. Right. Um, and right. like power to him on that kind of stuff. For sure. Which he can't because he's also a writer. So I'm like, yes, it is in well, solidarity. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, but he said it in solidarity. He's like, we're not doing anything till the actors get what they need. Yeah. Because actors and I, are the well, reason, and I, you know? the, the way the way I read it is there's a lot that Christopher Nolan does before he even starts writing something. True, yeah, and he's just kind of being like, "Yeah, I'm not even thinking about it. Um, yeah, let's focus on this." Right. So, so where do we want to start here? Well, should we start by saying that a lot of the sticking points for the WGA are similar to what the actors are yes. in terms of like non-budging on these. Uh, uh, kind of um, yeah yeah stipulations i mean like i think we can say this both the wga sag aftra and to a degree the dga um, sure. who settled a couple weeks ago like everyone's talking about the same stuff yes everybody's talking about streaming residuals mm-hmm. everyone's talking about ai mm-hmm. and everyone's talking about pay increases yeah you know there are nuances to that and there's a lot more going on and a lot of more demands etc but like those are the big three that we keep seeing everyone talk about exactly um so i will say i think we've covered the wga pretty extensively extensively uh in the past so i i want to focus on sag after because they do have a different um i don't know stance like they're looking at it from a different direction um but especially when it comes to ai there's some stuff in there but stand with the WGA, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I don't want to be like, whatever, the WGA, they've been doing it for weeks, you know. Um, it's old news, yeah. Yeah. But um, so let's, I mean, let's walk through them one, two, three here. Um, yeah. Start with streaming. So streaming. This is the kind of thing that like is the continuing conversation of like streaming. We have no idea of when something does well on streaming. We have no idea when, you know, something is financially successful, when something is culturally successful, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And a lot of that comes down to actors being paid residuals for their work. Right. So if Stranger Things or if uh, Orange is the New Black or if what have you, Succession, Mm -hmm. any of the Emmy noms, really. Yeah. you know, if they have lost my train here, but like they want to be continually paid for 
the reviewing and redistribution of the projects and of their likeness, et cetera, et cetera. Right, which is the way it always was done before yes. streaming. <laughs> That's the way they used to make money when they weren't on shows. Yeah, yeah. You know, you do Friends or you do Seinfeld or you do whatnot, and every time it aired in syndication, you got a little slice of that. Right. Because if As it's it making money, be. you're making money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um, royalties. It literally is royalties. Yeah, it literally is royalties. So, yeah. like, now that we've gotten into streaming and there's no real analytic for that, uh, the studios seem to be kind of like, well, like we we pay you up front and that's f- fine. Right. We you don't know. know who many how many yeah. people are watching um, this. Like <laughs> And it is kind of one of those things that like the more I read about it, the more I feel like it's just become a broken part of the film industry of like here's a thing that like there's no standardized metric to tell us anything. Like there's no yeah. box office, there's no Nielsen. Uh, ratings, you know, well, I guess right. the Nielsen ratings do do streaming, but like, but like not on, on a, a different scale. Metric. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and viewership is not really what drove royalties. It was right buying time on air to replay to do reruns. Anyway, exactly. Yeah, it's totally different now. Yeah. <laughs> um. So SAG-AFTRA wants two percent of the revenue that each show generates to be paid to performers. Yeah. Which like seems like, you know, nothing. Um, 2% of anything is a very small amount comparatively. Um, yeah. The interesting thing there is they're calling specifically for transparency in, you know, how a show does. Like actual content valuation, which is in this art- yeah. article. Yeah. Um, and which is a, th- a thing that I was doing some research into um, this company called Parrot Analytics that has basically a a metric of how a show is done or how a show has done based on like their, I guess you'd call it an algorithm, but um, yeah, yeah, but it's more tool. of like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And Parrot Analytics uses Google search, social media mentions, other data sources to measure demand and then estimates that against quarterly earnings and and like revenues and subscriptions and ads and stuff like that so like there's complexity here um but i am enthused to see that there is like a call for some kind of standardization yes am i going in a loop here i feel like i keep coming no no you're definitely not going in a loop i mean it is one of those things where i think at this point the streamers were counting on no metrics like they're thriving on the ability or lack of to kind of tell people what they what how shows are doing because even if you say like this many hours is watched of stranger things that doesn't really equate to a number of like there's no money there it's like everyone's already subscribed unless you say like well X number of people subscribed on the fifth and Stranger Things released on the sixth. So it must yeah. be like, how do you, where's the valuation in that? It's weird. It's like, it's just yeah, strange. It's wild. But I think it's something we need if, mm-hmm. like, the way the industry is structured is able to continue. Totally. Um, because, like, we don't have it and we have two major unions on strike. Like, this is like, we are in a bad place in terms of the film industry. Yeah. And like things are, I don't know, things are broken. I'm getting kind of like. They are broken. Intense over here. But. Um, it's an intense situation. <laughs> so they want 2%. The uh, the studios, the the AMPTP offered the same kind of thing they offered to the DGA, like a 5% mm-hmm. increase on minimum rates and all that kind of stuff. And I give props to the SAG-AFTRA for being like, no, this is like not a system that works anymore. Um, right. And that seems to be the big conversation I see coming out of like a lot of the picket lines and things like that is like, it just doesn't make sense. Exactly. Yeah. So that's one. Yes. Um, streaming, streaming revenue shares. Um, pay increase is also a big thing um, yeah. that they're talking about, which like, like, yeah, you know, obviously um, there's more complexity to like a SAG after kind of thing than necessarily the WGA. Um, I say that speculatively, I don't really know, but there are a lot of different kinds of actors in the Screen Actor Guild. Um, it covers totally. voice actors. It covers um, it covers a lot well, of different motion kind capture. Of, I mean, there's so yeah. many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, stunts. That was the other. The mm. there are stunt people in the in SAG-AFTRA. Um, right. 
so they're looking for an increase. This is what I was saying of the AMPTP has offered the same kind of increase, um, but they're looking for a lot more. Yeah. Um, they're looking for, I mean, they're, they're looking for a lot more. Like they're looking for more for um, background actors, more for guest stars, like yeah. all this kind of stuff and foreign streaming residuals as well, which is kind of what we were talking about. But like they're looking at a 230% increase. Right. For foreign streaming residuals from the mm-hmm. studios, um, which is like AMPTP is offering a 76%. So they are like nowhere close. Not even on close. that kind of stuff. And it's weird because it we're sitting here and we're talking so much about money, you know, and I feel like I, I see a lot of things that are like, well, like just actors make millions of dollars. I wanted to like, bring this you, up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I've had this conversation with a number of people who basically had that same thing. They're like, why is Mark Wahlberg telling me that like they need more money? And it's like, yeah, listen, there's 160,000 members of SAG. And I put yeah. this example out. I'm like, name all of the actors you can off the top of your head. Yeah. Those are the ones that make a shit ton of money. That's what, 20, 30, 40, yeah. 200, I w- 400? I would bet <laughs> if you got up to like 100, you'd be like hard pressed to try and you'd be like digging. And most of them are fight. not making a lot of money, even yeah. the ones you know well. And so this is not about that. Yeah. Most people are struggling and make less than I make. And I do not make a lot of money um, and yeah. work harder than I do, frankly, to get to this point. And it's unfortunate that Tom Cruise and Margot Robbie are the ones who are saying we need more because it gives that kind of, oh, well, yeah. why do you need more? It's not about them. They're the ones in front of the camera. Yeah, it's Go a to the catch picket 22 lines. almost. Yeah. <laughs> Go to like, the picket lines and you'll see those people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's like... The, the big conversation I've seen around it, too, is um, it's about health insurance. Yes. Because you have to, there's yes. a minimum that you have to make as an actor in SAG to qualify for SAG's life insurance, which if you don't qualify for SAG's life insurance, it's not like you're getting. Sorry, am I saying life insurance? Health insurance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Health insurance. Um, if you're not getting your health insurance from SAG. It's not like you're getting it from your job because your job is acting and like that's how you. So there's a lot of these people that aren't making enough money to qualify for health insurance and are just uninsured. Yeah. You know, and that like begs into the whole bigger question in politics and things like that. But like that's what they're talking about when they say Mm -hmm. they want more money is like I want enough to like qualify to be in a place where like if I get sick, I'm not fucked. I'm not gonna die. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like that's a far cry from Tom Cruise making twenty seven million dollars or whatever on right. Dead Reckoning. Like Exactly. That's that's what the conversation is. It's like, hey, like it's like it's a catch twenty two because the biggest names are the ones that people are gonna listen to the most. And they have the microphones, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it yeah. And I feel like we should bring up Bob Iger real quick here. Um, So Bob Iger, we talk a lot about Bob Iger. Um, We do since his recent, since his, his return, (laughs) his Um, return. And it's usually pretty positive, but this is, is not a positive kind of thing. No. So Bob, Bob Iger, I think the day they were announcing the strike, I think Mm -hmm. this is an article that came out that morning Um, on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah was like basically don't this is the worst time ever let me well he said it was unrealistic the demands and disgusting quote disgusting disgusting to a guy with a 50 million dollar salary disgusting or i'm sorry three million dollar salary with like 40 million dollars in bonuses sorry and like (laughs) and has been fine for you know the decades previously he's you like know, a that, 500 millionaire <laughs> that's the kind of thing where it's like yeah okay it's very disturbing to me we've talked about disruptive forces in this business and all the challenges we're mm. facing the recovery from covid which is ongoing it's not completely bad like it's in really bad taste to bring up covid in this moment you know in that like like it is health insurance that like 
we're getting down to in this conversation and like right and if we want to talk about that it's in poor taste then you know what's in poor taste is you getting paid more than all of those people combined for one year like that's what's in poor taste like that's the thing that makes no sense (laughs) it's it's tough it's tough to hear him like say stuff like that and just want to not just want to go like fuck you bob Iger. like yeah like burn like, it to what the are ground. you talking about yeah yeah um it's interesting one of the things i saw was john cusack called out um uh something he had seen regarding say anything the movie he was in long long ago yeah um, you know boom box over the head kind of thing mm-hmm. um he was saying that that movie which cost 13 million dollars to make he like looked up to see if it was doing anything like in terms of residuals on streaming or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. And the books for that movie say that it's lost $44 million. Right. Which like. What? That's shady. That's super shady. Maybe shady's not the word, but like there is definitely bookkeeping going on there that is like, Working with the goal of not being able to have to pay yes. what it has to pay. Exactly. You know, we're saying like, oh, well, this is an expense. This is like, and we get it down. I mean, and like, that's like what corporate accounters do. Accounters? Accountants? Corporate accountants yeah. do. But like, that's the kind of thing to go back to the top where I'm like, this system is broken. Like, this doesn't yeah. work. You know, yeah. and like this stuff that you've been doing for years is like getting more problematic and becoming a bigger problem. Not that like it wasn't problematic back in the 90s to say a $13 million movie took a $44 million write down. Right. But like, you know, when it's compounded over like everything going on in the industry right now, it's like, yeah, this is like not gonna, not sustainable. Right. Yeah. It, it, you're 100% right. And it's almost like the more you read about this and more it comes out, you're like, is this one big money laundering scheme? Because like when a deal is too good to be true or even if a deal is like, okay, you're still getting fucked. Like that's the yeah. that's what capitalism is all about. It's like if, you, if someone's making a deal with you, you're still getting raked over the coals. So that's just how yeah. it goes. And it's now just so transparent with the fact that we can see all these CEOs, like, you know, what their salaries are, what their net worth is. And then we can also see how little everyone's making. Yeah. Like, it's it's all on the table right now. And you can't go back and say, like, well, you know, I don't think it's really fair when it's like, well, no, what's not fair is this. Everyone sees all the information. And if you yeah. want to hide it, that's fine. But that's not like in the '90s. That was totally you can't. This information wasn't available. Yeah. Now, okay, Bob Iger net worth. Ah, oh, well, that's disgusting. Like you yeah. know, and there's just you can't hide behind anything now. So all of these articles, and I've recently, like over the past week, the Hollywood Reporter, Deadline, Variety, shouting you out, not shouting you out, like pointing at you directly because you have been on a rampage. You, we know who you're all owned by. Yeah. Like you've been on a scorched earth like campaign to just discredit all actors. And the thing is, that's great is nobody's buying it. Everyone's like, this is BS. Like every single tweet is like community notes. This is not accurate. Like Matt Damon's the lawyer got involved after one. I'm like, this is you. You can't do this. Like people see through the bullshit now. So um, like you can't. This is it's a tipping point. This is the tipping point. Um, Yeah. Well, and not to like. I don't know, not to nothing, but like you say Matt Damon's lawyer got in is like the people in SAG, you know, we, we talk about like, oh, the, the rich people in SAG aren't the yeah. ones that we're really like talking about here, but like are not like an insurmountable, not that's not the right word, not like an in substantial, insubstantial. Yeah, thank you. Not an insubstantial like force to overcome i mean like there are (laughs) all of that money that is in hollywood can be brought against you you know what i mean like i like you search you know bob Iger net worth but like search like tom cruise or downey jr or scarlett johansson like (laughs) or i mean even like matt damon net worth is like not 
insubstantial. And Matt Damon is a massive movie star, but like not at the tippy top of the A list, you know. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, like, you know, if you want to talk about people that can speak very well and can swing public opinion on stuff, it's like send in all your A-listers. Yeah. All your A-list <laughs> SAG after members. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So money, big, big tirade there on money tirades again, bad word, but like bid, uh, yeah, big bit on, on money. Um, the other yeah. thing we have to talk about that we've talked about at length. Mm-hmm. Um, and I swear to God, we could, we should like, I would be interested to do a pixel splitters episode where we just talk about AI yeah, and just hash out like what we think. Yeah. Um, because I am all over the map on it. Um, I know you are very anti-AI. It depends. If it's used as a tool, then yes. cool. If it's used as the art, then we have a problem. Yes. But I digress. Uh, one of the big sticking points for SAG is AI and yeah. what the use of AI means for an actor. Um, and as I said earlier, SAG includes voice actors. Yes, and like what it means and what can be done and what can't be done and what like having rights to someone's image means. Yeah. And this seems to be this seems to be the biggest sticking point from what I've been reading. Yeah. And from the and press I, conference. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I like I don't know if that's necessarily true, but it's certainly getting more airtime and coverage than anything else. Yeah. Because AI is so hot right now. Well, but, and it's the most like, holy shit. Yeah. Like when you read it, you're like, oh, The most wow. fundamental shift that we're talking <laughs> like, about, you know. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, like, not to simplify, but the other things really come down to like, pay us more. Right. You know. Which um, is obvious, a- yeah. AI <laughs> is not really pay us more. No, AI don't is, replace uh, us. <laughs> yeah. We still need to be here. <laughs> so... I mean, we've talked about AI before, a lot of stuff with deep fakes, a lot of stuff with replicating someone um, either with or without their consent. I remember there was talk about um, that turned out to be false, but there was talk about Bruce Willis signing over his likeness so that they could keep making Bruce Willis movies. Not true, but like there was like a big freak out about that because, yeah, you know, like what they can just make Bruce Willis now. Yeah. But yeah. Um. James Earl Jones also, I think, I believe, yeah. did sign this already because they're like, you know, to use his likeness and voice as Darth Vader. As like, Darth Vader. I think that was the caveat. Yeah. Um, well, and yeah. that's actually a nice thing is like, not nice things, it's a nice segue. Yeah. Like the conversation that we're having is what can you or can you not do Yeah. with my likeness and like to what level am I signing something off? Right. This is an insanely complex issue. I don't even know like really where, (laughs) where to start. It's it's really, it's tough. I mean, so let's start here. When we talk about AI and deep fakes, this is what we mean is what we've been seeing in the Mandalorian and all of these different like iterations of bringing people back or, you know, de-aging them. Mm -hmm. But the studios realizing that they may not actually need to pay Mark Hamill's salary to get Mark Hamill on set. And that being the, the point of contention where it's like, well, so then what in like, where does that line get drawn then? And the line is drawn in the contract that you sign, which I actually saw and I can't find it at this point. But there was a couple tweets made by actors who were on bigger shows, but not quite like, you know, Last of Us or anything mm-hmm. that said at the beginning, they actually had to sign something and were completely photo scanned without yeah. any knowledge of why. Now we know why. It's because then if this stuff wasn't, you know, spoken about, they could in the future just, okay, well, you did one day on set. We don't need you anymore. Yeah. We can basically hire a stand-in actor and paste your face onto them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that is like what it seems to be of like, just like, we we don't want to have to pay you. Like it Money. All, yeah. 
Like we don't want to have to pay you. And like, I, this is happening like across the board from like, you know, A-list actors being like, I, you know, we want to do, we want to have Mark Hamill on this without having Mark Hamill on set or like Mm -hmm. Carrie Fisher has died and we want to put Carrie Fisher in this, that kind of thing all the way down to like doing full body scans of extras in the background having them on set for a day and then we can put them in the background wherever we want. Right. Like later, if we're like, Oh, it'd be great if we had that extra in this scene, we can just put them in the scene and like screw that extra who like was there, you know? Right. Right. Um, so I like, don't have good words around like, (laughs) I don't have good words. I don't have good language around like, where my concern is here but like that's like yeah like i feel like it's because it's a question of like body autonomy almost for sure then i'm just like yeah you can't use my image without me yeah you know um as with all copyright (laughs) yeah and like (laughs) there's so many like across the board like you can't use my voice unless i say you can use my voice you can't use my face you can't use like my like, artwork yeah yeah you can't like do that yeah you can't use my writing like without my permission and like that just seems so fundamental to me that i'm having a hard time even like trying to see what the argument against it is because there is no argument against it like there is no argument against like replicating someone without their permission there isn't no. yeah like every conversation i see in favor of ai is is just like well yeah it would be cheaper to like not have to do this and like not et cetera et cetera et cetera and i'm like yeah but like it's like a privacy thing almost it's 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 wild man Um, it is wild and if we're talking cheaper this is the whole this is why i have such a problem with the money if it's because shit's too expensive cut the fucking salary of your CEO. Like, I don't understand. Like, if that's too expensive, then $50 million going to someone who barely does anything must be astronomically more expensive than paying all of these people like less than a quarter of what he makes in a year. Like, but like, that's, that's my other thing is like expensive, expensive. Like you spent $250 million on flash. Like expensive. Like, and that maybe that's not a fair thing, but like you roll the dice on these, ex, these production budgets yeah. all the time. And like, it doesn't matter if you take a $44 million write down. Right. You know what I mean? Like, or if you have a 44 million, I guess that the 44 is from a not applicable thing. But, but like, like a $200 million write yeah, down on Batgirl. Like it, if that's the conversation, like where's the, like. Two hundred dollar. I don't. I don't know what extras make, so I'm throwing out a random number. I remember from fifteen years ago when I worked in the industry. But like, what difference is it? Like the hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars you're paying a background extra for, right. for like eight hours. You know, even a hundred extras. You know, yeah. Like, where? Why is that money like important? Right. It's just so, especially considering how much we've seen Netflix just be on a spending binge. Just throw money at shit. You know what I mean? And like, oh, didn't work. Whatever. You know, at least it's in the library now. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's hard for me to hear studios go, we're trying to save money. Yeah, you're not. Like, you're not. Like, you just don't want to spend it there. Right. But why? Like, you're fine on spending, (sighs) trying to think of some excessive like costly scene from a movie dude just let's say uh, citadel or or you know rings of power rings of power you're fine with spending 400 million dollars for the rights to lord of the rings yeah but you know to get (laughs) the extras in the background it's like well wouldn't it just be easier if we could copy and paste them right you know and i don't know it's it's I mean, it's like, I get it because it is just, it's like, it's Hollywood like greed. And like, I I always hate when people are just like, well, everybody's greedy. I'm like, I don't think it's that black and white, but it's like, yeah, it's literally like, you just don't want to spend the money for this because you don't value it as 
important as something else. It's it's crazy. And unfortunately, that's literally what it comes down to. Um, and I don't think we said this at the top, but a strike for SAG means that every single actor that's part of the Screen Actors Guild on Thursday night had to stop what they were yes. doing. The Oppenheimer cast left the premiere. Deadpool stopped mid-shoot. Everything yeah. ceased. Like, this is the most disruptive strike that could ever happen yep. to the to Hollywood. And unfortunately, this is literally what has to happen. Like, this yeah. has to happen because, like, I think the AI uh, sticking point is is the the biggest one because it literally brings into question what you're talking about like oh yeah. if we can cut corners on every person on set that yeah. would make our lives a whole lot easier and it's like but that takes away the industry like that's yeah. everyone the who's going to be on set just the camera operator even that person doesn't need to be there like you know yeah. at a certain at a certain point it can all be done by a computer and that's why this is so important because when it's all done by a computer, it's not art anymore. Like art yeah. is made by human beings. Like that's why it's meaningful. That's why it has any kind of uh, like nuance or meaning to anyone. Yeah. And that's what they're trying to just like gut it because to them, it's not art. It's an industry. And that's a fucking problem. You know, Yeah. the other thing that's worth bringing up here is. Uh, the article that came out a couple weeks ago, uh, pre-SAG strike, but about the Hollywood studios uh, working to just wait out the WGA, mm -hmm. you know, until they go broke and have to come back to the table. Um, like literally go broke, like lose houses, like, lose apartments. Yeah, um, which is an insane thing to say. You know, we're talking here about like, art comes from people like the, you can't I don't do you do you want to talk a little bit about that <laughs> sure yeah 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 I mean it's one of those things where so an anonymous source basically an anonymous executive and I believe this actually was the Monday before the strike so and this Sounds was like right. when yeah. everyone was frantic they didn't know what was going to happen and everyone was throwing everything at the wall so I think that this was a misstep by everyone involved because the executive basically said the plan is to bleed the DGA or the WGA dry until they lose their houses and their apartments and they have to come back to the table and have no choice but to to basically give over to our demands. Yeah, to take whatever we feel like giving them. Right, which is just the bottom line and it's bad. And I mean, how can a person look at that article and go, yeah, you know what? I'm going to side with those guys. That seems yeah. like a good way of, like, it's one of the most, and I struggle saying inhumane because I think humans suck. So it's more of like, it's, <laughs> it's like such an un, it's an, it's an immoral act to be like, our bottom dollar means more than all of your lives, not just like livelihoods, but it means more yeah. than all of your lives put together. And we're going to, do whatever we can to make this as hard for you as possible so that we get what we want. And unfortunately for for the studios, and I say unfortunately, ironically, they're getting what they asked for. Like, they're getting, we have no choice. Like, yeah. nothing is being produced right now. And it's just another strike against the executives being like, what the hell is going on here? And it's funny because I was listening to uh, an interview with Paul Thomas Anderson, who is just like, you know, the weird part of this whole thing is the only two people that are never essential on a set are the producer and the executive. That's it. Those are the only two people <laughs> yeah. that are on my sets that serve no role at all and are just there because they have to be there. Yeah. And it's like, that should tell you all you need to know about filmmaking. The people who, who just like run the studios they don't matter they just hold the yeah. cash that's it yeah and then they decide <laughs> like yeah yeah they decide it's, based on like and i don't want to say that like executives don't know like sure but like not as intimately as like directors or as like actors or things like that it's like yeah you know <laughs> like there you can feel the difference between like a real person in the background and like 
an AI person or a computer generated person. Like, yeah, you just, you can, and there's levels of like, it can be done well, but like, you know, I feel like anytime I'm seeing like a de-aged or like a deep fake or something like that, I'm like, suspend your disbelief. Just like go with it. It's fine. You get, and yeah. you know, it'll get better, get et cetera, et cetera. And like, it, you know, that's why it's good to talk about this stuff now. But I'm like, you guys, like people, pe- I'm, I'm glomming onto this phrase, but like people make art. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's like money doesn't make art. No. Like AI doesn't make art. Like people make art. And like you investing in people is like just going to make better stuff. Yeah. You know, and it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy, man. I, I know I've said that like 15 times in this episode, <laughs> but like, <sighs> you know, the, the, and we can leave it at this, but the really unfortunate thing about capitalism is that <laughs> in order for something to become major, like an art form, it has to become an industry, and when an industry is involved, businessmen are involved. And when businessmen are involved, they only care about one thing, and it's money. And yeah. when you mix money and art, like it's it's not a art is not about money. Art is about telling stories, whether that's music or painting or photography or whatever. It's about expressing yourself and storytelling. Yeah. And those two things do not mix, like capital, like money and storytelling like they're fundamentally different one does not need the other one to survive and unfortunately money needs everything to survive like money can't be around like even unless there's something to sell there's nothing yeah. to buy it's like one of those things and like house of cards yeah it is and it, the fact that it's an industry means we get to go and see mission impossible 7 <laughs> but it also means we have to fucking sit here and talk about ai being like t- taking over the yeah. film industry and it's like it's a it's a battle and the, you know what I'm happy that there are people out there that are willing to pick it and not work for 3 months yeah. to make this shit happen because if it wasn't for them this whole industry would be gone straight up yeah if it wasn't for the unions and everybody on the picket line this shit would have already been signed and we would have no actors like straight up you know it's very interesting like we keep talking about all this kind of stuff and it seems like it's like on the verge of a major collapse. I mean, I would think maybe not even on the verge. I feel like we've started tipping off the edge of a, like a major collapse here. And it, it it brings up like comparisons in my mind to like the fall of like the golden age of Hollywood and like the breakup of all the studios and like the complete shift in like everything, you know, um, in like, I want to say in the late fifties, yeah. Um, you know, which gave rise to like the the origins, I guess I'll say, of like the indie world of like, you know, Easy Rider and that kind of stuff. And yes. I'm like, are we on the cusp of something like that? Because I don't believe that we can get to a place where like movies and TV aren't made. No. You know important. what I mean? I think if like if every single person tomorrow was told you will never get paid again to create content 99 99% I think of people would be like well I guess I have to go figure something else out then right but like that 1% which is not an, and I'm making up all these numbers but <laughs> uh but that like 1% would be like well I'm still making shit yes like forever whether I get paid or not you know and like from that from those ashes would grow a whole new industry you know what i mean so i'm like yeah it's one of those we've reached an untenable tipping point and i feel like to try and end on a silver lining here if this is a similar tipping point as we had when things fell in you know with the the studio system in the 50s like yeah i'm kind of excited to see what can come from this yeah because films are art like yes i would say across the board like say what you will about like the fast franchise or something but i still consider it like a piece of art definitely um, <laughs> i don't know why i went to the the fast and furious franchise there when we've been talking even about from the depths. mission impossible all day yeah yeah but even from the um, depths of something we dislike can <laughs> yeah. be something beautiful <laughs> yeah yeah perfect et is a uh, 
pretty what? good piece of art, I guess. There um, you go. Anyway. Oh, man. So let's end here. Um, stand with SAG-AFTRA. Stand with the WGA. Um, yes. Hollywood Understand is not going to go broke <laughs> no. from what they're asking. No. Um, and these people are just trying to do what they love um, and keep doing what they love. So. Yeah. And you love watching them. So shut yeah. the fuck up and, you and support these people. Yeah. <laughs> Oh you, you, dear listener, listen to podcasts about this stuff. That's like yes. two steps removed <laughs> from the actual stuff. Yes. So support these folks. Support these folks. Um, um, and I know we said we were going to talk about the Emmys, but we went long on this one. We are not going to talk about the Emmys. Go look at the noms. It's you know, there's it's I it's it's a really weird thing to like talk about the Emmys after all of this because it's yeah. like the Emmys, cool, sure, but like. If people can't feed their families, who gives that's a fuck? more important? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't care about who wins awards when people are literally losing their homes. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. There we have. So it. we'll bring it down. Um, <laughs> we will. All right. Oof. I I'm gonna have to go watch something like positive, so I don't just like yeah stew in the doom Wallow. of humanity and the lie that is capitalism and et cetera, et cetera. Um, exactly. But uh, let's. Talk about some recommendations. Let's um, do it. Our prompt this week is a movie that had nothing but amazing performances. Um, yes. In, in honor, honor of, of SAG, SAG. after. <laughs> um, yeah. Nothing but amazing performances. Um, it could not be replaced by AI ever. Yeah. yeah. There's no way. Yeah. No, it's, well, you'll, you'll understand my pause when oh, I get to okay. my recommendation. Okay. Um, do you want to go first on this one, Josh, or would you like me to? Um, I want to go first, actually. Okay. Um, because I can't believe we have not recommended this movie, and this was hard because I thought we had recommended this film, and I was like, well, what am I going to do then? This movie is the first movie that comes to mind when I think of a 100% hit rate for all people involved, people well-known, people I'd never mm -hmm. seen before, young actors, old actors. And this movie is Moonlight. This is Barry Jenkins' film Ooh. from, I believe, 2018, which does a couple things that are not just genius, but intensely hard, which is this movie is split into three sections that tell the story of this young black man's life through three different sections of his life, meaning... He has to be cast from his young age, his middle age, and his older age. And not just that, but his counterpart, Kevin is his name, also has to be cast in those three eras. Meaning you need to find three people for each of these uh, mm -hmm. characters to portray this character perfectly. And Barry finds the perfect people. So for Chiron, who's the main character, it's Trevante Rhodes, Ashton Sanders, and Alex Hibbert, who play the three different uh, versions of, or I guess, eras of Chiron, who are just, like, you would never know these are different people. Like, mm -hmm. it is unbelievable what is done in this film. And Andre Holland, Gerald Jerome, and Jaden Piner as the three versions of Kevin, same thing. There is nuance in there that is so difficult. And this film, if you don't know, is about a young black boy uh, who is gay, who is growing up kind of in the hood and has to deal with that and those kinds of like uber max masculinity and mm -hmm. all of these things in that culture that are so that are rubbing up against him and his lifestyle and what happens to him throughout his life. And it was one of the most like, like, uh, transportive like films I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. I saw it in college and I was like, mm -hmm. I've never seen anything like this. This is so important. And, you know, then you surround those characters with Janelle Monet and Mahershala Ali and Naomi yeah. Harris, like just the a who's who of some of the best working actors around. And you get a film that has zero bad performances in it. And in yeah. fact, has some of my favorite performances of the 2010s. Travante Rhodes, I just, he's the third act of Sharon's um, yeah. character. And he largely has the toughest to do because he's playing a character that has to subvert his own feelings to become who he is mm -hmm. and it is mm -hmm. it is just if you haven't seen moonlight 
Yeah. It's a fucking five-star masterpiece. It is one of my favorite movies. It's hard to watch, but it is important to watch. It is beautifully made all across the board, and I can't sing its praises enough. It's another one of those movies where I'm like, this is the best movie of the year. Like, it won yeah. Best Picture, and Absolutely. it is the best movie of that year. Uh, you can watch it on Max right now, or you can rent it. I own it on Blu-ray. I, I highly recommend you just buy it, because it's that good. Um, yeah, it's nice. it's kind of a cop-out, because it's so popular, but I'm like, it's just, there's nothing bad is, about this but film. But it's there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know? Um, so Moonlight. That's awesome. Moonlight. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So mine, I was tempted. Mm. I was tempted to take a super cop out one. Um, oh, I, I I was really tempted to say gravity, um, oh. which is literally <laughs> just Sandra Bullock. And uh, she's amazing. Know, and, and she's amazing. And like George Clooney for like five seconds. Um, yeah. But like that seemed too much of a cop out and that's why i kind of looked up when i was like when you said couldn't be done by a i'm like 97 percent of that movie is digital it's true um but the performance but, could not be but done. the performance yeah um but instead i'm gonna go with a different movie um and i did just double check because for a second i was like oh shit have i already recommended this i didn't check oh. before but i have not um it is a movie from uh 2010 called never let me go oh um, i don't know and i have i believe i talked about this on tuned in at one point um mm-hmm. but this is a movie starring uh carrie mulligan kira knightley um and andrew yes. garfield um yes. they're they're the big three um and it's early i mean we're talking 2010 it's like it's like these really really talented actors before they were known for being really, really talented actors. Um, And I will add also, there's like a level of the same kind of thing you were talking about with Moonlight and that like, there are younger versions of all these characters um, in this movie because it starts. So the movie is about children um, who are born and grown to be uh, organ donors for real people. They're like clones. Essentially they're grown to be organ donors. Um, And then over the course of their short lives, they like donate their organs and eventually like die because like they They don't have their internal organs. Um, (laughs) But like it it starts when they're little kids and it like Mm. follows them up into like young adulthood. But the young versions of of Ruth, Kathy and Tommy are so seamless. Mm. Like I don't know which direction it went if like. Carrie Mulligan was trying to mirror what um, Izzy Mickle Small, who played young Kathy, um, was ah. doing. But like, you don't feel the ch- the shift. It's like right. such an organic performance across the board that like we go into the grown up <sighs> version of them, and we go into the grown up version of them from like, you know, they're like kids to like teenagers kind of thing you know they're right. playing like 17 18 year olds like sure. Carrie Mulligan and Andrew Garfield um and like just that shift is just so seamless and it's like Ooh. like good on the young kids um Ella yeah. Purnell is also plays young Ruth young um Keira Knightley mm-hmm. um she's currently on Yellow Jackets um oh she's uh young uh teenage Jackie on Yellow Jackets um, yeah, but like, I think that's the most seamless one. It just feels like they don't even necessarily look the same, but it's so yeah. just seamless when like it, she becomes Kira Knightley. Right. It's it's incredible. Uh, it's just across the board, and I mean, all the the whole supporting cast is is brilliant. Um, oh, I love that. It's kind of that. a sad movie. Um, directed cool by that. Mark Romanek, but uh. I don't know. I really like that movie. I'm going to have to check that out. I, I do remember you talking about this now. Yeah. Um, oh, it looks like it's on what? Stars? Prime? I think that was where I watched it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I need to add that. Oh, it's on my watch list already. God, I need to start yeah. whittling through that watch list, man. <laughs> Jesus. Your watch list um, is out of control, man. I know. I know. I just, every time someone says a movie to me, I put it on there and like <laughs> people tell me five movies a day and it's just bad. Yeah. So, um. All right. <laughs> Well, there anyways, we go. that's awesome. <laughs> this could be an interesting double feature, honestly. 
Honestly, yeah. I mean, you've seen Moonlight? both movies, so you'd yeah. know better. But I don't. I don't remember Moonlight a lot, but mm-hmm. um, I think it actually would it would pair quite well. Okay. Um. Yeah. All right. There we go. Look at that. Cool. <laughs> there we go. Um, all right. Let's bring it home, Josh. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Oh man, people can find me on Instagram, on Letterboxd, and on Threads. Although I don't use it all that much. Um, at Josh J Fuller, I'll try and get more into Threads. It's hard building a, an audience from the ground yeah. up. It just is. But anyway, um, where can people find you, Willis? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, on Threads, and on Letterboxd at Willis Film. I feel like that's mm-hmm. the thing I like the most about um, Threads. Is yes, like it is just the same username it's all the Uh, way through yeah (laughs) and if you want to find the podcast you can find us at pixel splitters on instagram on threads and on letterboxd see that took like half look at that compared to pixel split pod twitter whatever pixel split pod yeah fuck that shit um yeah so at pixel splitters uh you can find all of our recommendations um including moonlight and never let me go yeah yes nice I don't know if I want to tease that next week is our megapixels because we keep shifting it around. It's true. <laughs> but I, unless like something ridiculous, unless something happens. wild happens, unless the DGA is like, actually just kidding. We're not signing that. Um, well, that's what I'm not. Ca- we can't count on anything. There may or yeah. may not be a megapixel. There is a week, megapixels folks. planned coming. Um, yes. One day we will get around to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but next week, probably. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I guess that's all we've got for this week. Stand with SAG after us. Stand with yes. the WGA. Yes. Uh, and we will talk to you next week, dear listener. End of pod.